0: Created live on
1: Fireside. Oh, I was just enjoying the music. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Welcome to it. It's another week. This is Doing It Sober Live. We have one South African and one American. So, what does that make us? Super, super special. Opportunity or two to invite the audience who are going to continually pop in if you have some questions for our guest or for us please let us know this is an open forum we'd love to hear what's on your mind what's on your heart answer it as best we can i take you back to when we had that lovely irishman whose name now escapes me danny you'll know who i'm talking about we had a lovely q a session before he eventually popped on and we'd love to have that experience a little bit more and more in fact uh, It's so interesting nowadays, Danny and I were talking off-air as we were prepping for the show, that the concept of fireside expanding so rapidly to include audio and video, it was originally a concept that I knocked, because here's the reason why. If you're on radio, there's no visual element, and you have to use your words to tell a story. When you're on television, now you're bringing a persona of describing a story to a visual platform. But it's ultimately the route of which to go when both mediums come together like a lovely little pea in a pod, I suppose is the proper expression. So you've got one of either two choices, buckle under or retire, or get with the program. That's ultimately the way that one goes. Let's see what wonderful little fortune cookie wisdom. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> wisdom. <laughs> Let's see what little fortune cookie wisdom uh, uh, Daniela has pasted on here. She's always got something smart, especially with the Batman comment last week. Boy, did that catch me off guard! Because, oh, Aaron Sorkin, one of my favorite writers. If you're dumb, surround yourself with smart people.
0: Sorry to keep you hanging. Uh, if you're watching live, we thank you very much, and you are welcome to join us on Fireside and ask questions and join in the fun. That's what this is all about. Is to absolutely be part of a live audience and ask questions, and give us your smart remarks. And you have about 30 different sound effects. You can uh, make fun of us. You can clap for us. I think he did not read the instructions. <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, Chris, I work for some serious big time, so I... <laughs> I work with uh, some pretty badass people, you know, in my career, and I worked as vice president of Jay Bernstein Productions, which yeah. Jay Bernstein was the actual creator of personal managers in Hollywood. He managed over 600 stars: Sammy Davis, Davis Jr., Sinatra, Sharon Stone, Fair Fawcett. I mean, he created all of these people. Um, right. He was a and um you know I learned a lot from this guy and so now it's hard not to have expectations on others because I'm such a I'm never late. I mean I don't not show up unless I'm dying. All these things that he taught <laughs> me basically we wrote a book together, The Making of a The Making of a Hollywood Star. And right. We write about all these things that it takes to become a an lister. And when people don't, nothing happens in God's world by mistake. I truly believe that.
1: Oh, absolutely. It goes without saying. It goes without saying. But please continue that story, what you were talking about. Uh, Jay Bernstein said he was never late, and so on and so forth. It's hard not to have expectations. Was it where you stopped yourself mid-sentence?
0: Jay Bernstein was the biggest hard ass in Hollywood, and that's mm. why he managed so many stars. And he was he each person, each celebrity has a story before he made them into what they were. Like Farrah Fawcett, it was oh. the promotion of the poster that oh was his thing that he got her, her real big. That it was his idea for Sinatra to throw the underwear into the audience, and oh. um,
1: you're kidding me. You know,
0: this guy taught me so much. No. I, w- I was vice president of his company, and I learned a lot from this man.
1: Oh, man, I'm sorry. Unfortunately,
0: idiots. I worked for him in, in Clark Gable's home. where It was his home, and I had the top floor was my office. Clark Gable mm-hmm. and Fred Garbo's old house that they lived in. And mm-hmm. I had the top floor. And... Uh, you know he just he taught me so many things and now i find it so hard to relate i'm such a hard ass now i mean you don't want to work for me
1: <laughs> i would but happily work for you because i'm not a millennial by nature
0: that's right that's right so I, well i that's why i really wanted to work with you is because i knew you had such a just in the brief time that i had spoken with you such a a beautiful voice of course But your sense of life, mature sense of what's going on in the world. I really, really appreciate your humor. So good old Hollywood days, you know. And and what happened with that was I finally just smoked too much crack one night, believe it or not. Horrible to say. And I showed up. And I didn't look very good. And he kind of knew. And that was it. We had a fight. And that was it. And I did not return. And it was sad. It was sad. It was very abusive. He was very abusive. But he knew a star when he saw one. And Mm. Mm. I feel so lucky to have been chosen to help him recreate himself at such a crucial time in his life where he was, we we actually I was executive producer on a show it, it didn't go through, and you're, you're going to laugh when I tell you why it was called the Public Defender's Office, so we had all the rights to the Public Defender's Office and Neat. Uh, Matt Law uh,
1: uh, He was Matt, Matt Law, I remember Matt Law and correct
0: He was big, he was a big guy pitch a series to the studios and I see it was a great concept wonderful concept uh the public defenders office when he was on page 3 of the Hollywood reporter he absolutely lost his mind and threw up the papers in the air and we didn't, didn't do it because he was not on the front page. Oh. That's what kind of person oh. Jay Bergstein is.
1: <laughs>
0: so everything happens for a reason. Um, and oh, sure. everything with my, my for drug abuse, reason. yeah, my drug abuse, that was the start of the really bad downfall for me. Mm. Ooh, I went really down after that because I started bartending. And uh, that's when I was introduced to other drugs like. Methamphetamines and and Mm. stuff like that. And Mm. that's, you know, when you're bartending and you're, you know, I had a lot of people I was managing at the time because I was working for Jay Bernstein. So everybody was trying to get me to manage them because I was, you know, his sidekick. So I was managing all these people and uh, bartending and trying to feed this live addiction, this live wire that was just (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere. (laughs)
1: Oh, boy.
0: <laughs> everywhere I went
1: did I ever tell was, you about uh, was... my first uh, performance that I did drunk no I never told you the yeah, story okay well okay I have as I told you of a very a varied portfolio in the entertainment business I act myself I began like Korea and South Africa as an actor but I made my bones predominantly as a radio personality you know back then in the years of yore, uh, if you had one profession in the entertainment business, that's what you stuck with. But now, with technology and the advent of social media and that, it's now become imperative for an entertainer to have more than one profession. So, you can do acting the one day, you can do radio the next, or you can do voiceover. So, I was unfortunately one of those sticklers where I said, no, 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 no. I want this profession and this profession exclusively. That's it. And, you know, you learn that that lesson yourself in that don't deny yourself that because you never know. The one skill set you learn in the one medium helps you to help strengthen you in another profession. You're with me. So um, I was still I was. I was doing nighttime radio at the tail end of 2016. That's when I got the job. In 2017, I got my shift, which was four night shifts, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So it was five night shifts. Thank God for that, because that helped me with the rent a couple of months. And plus also it helped me with the booze. So nice going. But in my off time, I would do... um I would do plays, I would do uh, radio dramas, whatever came my way, and I always marketed myself. I had agents that did absolutely deadly squat for me, and I hired them, and I fired them like uh, toilet paper. So in any event, I scored an opportunity <laughs> with a little dinner theater in the town where uh, the, ra- the radio station was situated, and they were doing a production of all things Greece, And I auditioned for a, a couple of character parts. And I eventually landed the role of Kenny key, Jeff Conway's character. It was a very, very difficult production to get on the ropes because we were essentially four people. And we had to do stage managing, paint the backdrops. We had I had to rewrite the script, as a matter of fact. We cut out a lot of key scenes to make it all succinctly fit for four people. And on curtain call, or not curtain call, opening night, we were so nervous, all of us, because I was the only classically trained actor in the troupe, all the others were basically fly by nights and in comes the hors d'oeuvres and we all for the nerves the excuse the nerves started partaking in uh, two thousand and three rose very sweet in the tongue on the first taste, but it, yeah. uh, it kicks like a it kicks like a bull between the legs, and I got so for-snickered. but how i but how I got through that performance, I can not tell you, but I did it word and action perfect, and I actually had to improvise because all of a sudden there was a power outage and one of the main floodlights went out. I don't know what I said. I think I challenged one of the front receipt guys who was being a little bit huffy-puffy to a so-called fight because if you know uh, Greece, the film, uh, Kinnicky is this loudmouth, hard-edged, wisecracking character trying to engage the audience until eventually the power came back on. And we could continue with the play. And after I got, and after a curtain call, I was slurring like you would not believe. And I had to drive myself home. And I was guzzling Coke and, rum and Coke, rum and Coke in the hope of sobering up. Ah Nice, nice thinking, Chris. Oh, my gosh.
0: Good thinking.
1: Good thinking. Very, very good thinking. (laughs) Absolutely ace. Absolutely bloody ace. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. But it was fun. It was fun. While it lasted. So we all have those stories. And I said this to someone quite recently. You know, in recovery I can understand, you know, you and I know a couple of people who have been in the entertainment business who've subsequently retired in recovery because they feel they don't uh belong there anymore. You know, if if you've been given a God given talent, be it for whatever in the performance spectrum, there's no such thing as a second, uh, not getting a second chance. We all have a second chance at doing what we love. Think about it. If we've been born into this life with a certain talent, why waste it by holding it onto your bosom for yourself? There are people who can be enriched by it. I mean, look at Robert Downey Jr. He had ups and downs, left and right with uh, drug addictions, incarcerations, and a lot. And he successfully by grace, got himself into a position where he got a second chance and he looked after it. And I mean, his performances from the point where he got sober, I remember one of his first uh, comebacks after Allie McBeal was a, I think a forgotten film, but it's a scary, scary, scary thing called Gothica.
0: Fantastic
1: performance. And then, of course, Good Night and Good Luck, The Shaggy Dog the kids, and then of course came Sherlock Holmes and Iron Man and all those uh, superstar things. So all of us, case in point is, we have gifts and talents that we may discover for the first time in recovery. I say, whatever chance you you get, build on it, and don't be afraid to chase that dream which you thought lost. I can appreciate the fact that a lot of people have said, you know what, No, no, this is not for me. It's brought me too many bad memories and it might serve as a trigger. I respect that. But don't deny yourself the opportunity to do what you were meant to do in this life because it's not gonna lead you it's not gonna let you go. My humble opinion.
0: It's true. It is true. I agree with you though. It, it kinda of, it'll come back in your face.
1: <laughs> Big time.
0: Like with this fireside thing, um, I have no idea how Fallon found me i I did a podcast, I purposely picked people that were just my friends on instagram and I mean I have done so much television, so much stunts i mean my i was i had broadcasting career that was my deal and i I just for some reason didn't want to do it i was i don't wanna do this. So I did everything to set myself up for just the easiest coasting ride. Uh, Got people that weren't big riders or uh you know and I just didn't like it. I didn't want to do it. And this came up and I thought, ooh, I don't know. Is this is this gonna be the same thing? Am I gonna feel that way? So, I called you. I I said, Chris, will you do this show with me? I did. And, yeah, because I saw a lot of tears on Fireside.
1: I have to say, what went went through my mind when you gave me that call was a fact of the most beautiful woman on planet Earth asks me to do a show with her. Oh, my. I have hit the big time. And I really mean it, Danny. You really are one of the most beautiful women on earth, not just for your looks, which is absolutely breathtaking, but you know, you come across with an extremely maternal instinct that I think you may not even realize that you've had. And I have to say, you know, I'm a, I can be insecure as a man. It can be quite surprising and it can catch anyone off guard because. You know, we as a human species tend to look at one another with a one-dimensional angle. Guilty. I've been guilty of that in the past. But once you get to know someone a little better, you realize there's something a little deeper than what meets the eye. I mean, you and I have a common love of animals. We have a common love for art. And it's been such a privilege and a pleasure, as we have worked on this project so extensively, to come to know you is not only Daniela Park, the entity of doing It Sober Live, but Daniela, the woman. That's what piques my personal interest as a beyond the realm of an entertainer. And then I have to say this as well. Those eyes of yours, that sparkle and that beaming
0: smile, I can't get enough. No. You, uh, you definitely have my heart, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> You have my own. No, I, I, uh, I knew when you said yes, that this was gonna be something different than what I had done before. And every time that I finish the show, I'm so thankful and I'm so grateful and I'm so happy and thankful that I actually did it because I feel so good it's after romantic. I do it.
1: And it's you like keep, your own little yeah, fear factor episode great
0: guests. Oh yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, when I what the what the thing is is, I have always been an extrovert, and I moved to Florida three years ago. I mean, I, I was one of the reasons why I moved is because I wanted to get out. I hate to say limelight, but I always had commitments, like I was the secretary of a meeting of eight hundred. People at the AA meeting, and um, I had—I was the uh, chair of the convention right before I left after ten years of service, and it was always so much going on that I could hardly even stand it. I can imagine. I just wanted some, yeah, I just wanted some peace. So when I came here, Woo! I just became, you know, introvert a little bit, and I started doing sure. art. And I started uh, really enjoying the outdoors so much more, and mm-hmm. my husband and mm-hmm. I's relationship got so much stronger because all we had was each other. And then I had mm-hmm. um, my mother, you know, move here. My father died, and then this the the illnesses hit, and I don't know what it is, but it it's it's a combination of moving and not interacting with as many people, COVID. It's kind of right. a little bit of right. fear in me, so I have. And that's a, natural. I have fear, you know? but every time,
1: yeah. yeah, it's absolutely natural. If I can share from from a similar perspective, you know, I had a ten-year bout with alcohol and drug use. It Ultimately, came to the, its conclusion on the twenty-fifth of October, ten twenty-five, twenty eighteen, and you can agree with me on this because you've walked. The same shoes that I have had in addiction. When you are moving out of the darkness into the light, it can be discompopulated, uncomfortable. It's new territory. You don't know the forest from the trees. And then five months later, after that, there I got the cancer diagnosis. Now bear in mind, I'm barely even 26 at the time. I'm Mm -hmm. trying to get on the straight and narrow, and now all of a sudden I've got this additional life threatening disease. At that moment, I think for any person, there's a moment of fight or flight. You get what I'm saying. Am I going to let this get me, or am I going to fight with all my might? And you and I have spoken about this off-air in similar patterns. But in the midst of that struggle, I agree with you. It's very, very difficult. But there are those moments where you can't help to say, I'm going to try. I'm going to try, I'm going to try, I'm going to try again. And I believe firmly that if you give yourself that grace of trying, you've given yourself a fighting chance. Remember, everything life-threatening begins here in the head. If you say to yourself, I'm going to beat this, whatever it may be, you're 50% away there. But the other 50%, of course, is the materialization of taking the nauseating medication, adapting your routine if need be, which is in itself not a lovely affair, but solace yourself that it's only temporary at best. And that when that moment comes where you, you get that report and you say, all clear, then you start to appreciate life even more. You get what I'm saying. Granted, what you've got yes. is an autoimmune disease, so it's longer term. And the going to be bad, days. is what they're going to be uh, good days but and this is for you to decide, but doing what you love alleviates that um, that discomfort Mike Ryans, as you mentioned you recently completed a painting I remember of the, of the hawk uh, of the crow forgive me yeah. all that yeah. stuff Takes and your frog. mind off the of the oh, and a frog. I'm deathly afraid of and frogs. A a,
0: and a crocodile. <laughs> I love animals. Oh yeah. you know, they're, they're fun to be
1: oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, naturally. Just don't bring a frog near me. Oh, and there was of course <laughs> there was of course the time when I moved into a new apartment that I got a bullfrog in my toilet bowl the very first week that I moved into a new apartment. Ooh. Oh, Lord, Lordy, <laughs> I almost had—I almost had a heart attack. I got off air Sunday, uh, uh, Sunday evening, Monday morning. I came home. Now, if you've been on the air for three or four hours, you still have that adrenaline coursing through your system. So now it takes an hour more or less to dissipate. And I'm sitting in the living room, reading a magazine and drinking hot chocolates to try and get the uh, nerves to calm down and get the sleepiness in my system. And I just hear this. oh, fuck. Is there a robber in my apartment? <sighs> Me thinking I'm <laughs> Rambo, I switch off all the lights. Naturally,
0: I'm thinking oh
1: my God. the first thing I need to do is I sw- need to switch off all the lights in my apartment. So that will obviously th- make the robber uh, uh, confused. So I switch off all the lights and I start moving like Rambo to the to the source of the sound and it it's coming from the bathroom. And I'm moving towards the bathroom, and this sound starts to become a boing bang. Whoosh. Boing bang. Whoosh. Oh no. And I look and I lift the toilet and here's this horrid green <laughs> piece of slime
0: <laughs>
1: staring at me with its beady eyes. I think Poor I must have thing. yelled I think I must have yelled to the to the degree of twenty octaves, because the first thing I did is I shut down, I, I threw down the toilet lid, and I grabbed a box and I just threw everything that I could just to put weight on this toilet seat that this thing doesn't jump out of the toilet bowl and come after me. Needless to say, the next the next day, I got a land, I got a, a, a landscape technician to come into my house and remove the thing. Thank God. It took me about a month to successfully make myself of, <laughs> of the lavatory again. Because every time, I'm not a joking.
0: landscape technician. <laughs> you little chicken.
1: I had to get a landscape technician. I am a chicken. I am a chicken when it comes to a frog. No. Rabbit, Fuck off. I don't want to see you. Because every time Can I, I want to go to the... I'm listening. No, I was just going to say, I, I'm so
0: sensitive. When it comes to animals. Uh, in my office where I work every day, I right. out the window my dogs sit and there yep. is a ledge and there's lizards that go around and, and now there's a lot of squirrels because I put up a bird feeder. It's crazy. And um <laughs> there there's a lizard. There's like a lot of lizards, but there's one lizard and it's big and it's got a beard and it goes wow you know, Gus, and right, was, right, right, right. I have a lot of mail, and I was putting my mail out, and I saw two packages. So I went to grab the packages, and my foot went down, and the thing jumped in front of my foot, and I, <gasps> I was so because I've been seeing this lizard for for years. <laughs> I I look at him, and I and his eyes were, his neck was turning, and his eyes were closed, and I felt so bad he was and i thought god did i step on him did i not step on him the poor little thing and then my husband says take him out to the forest i'm like ah that's normally not what i would do i would let him because they think it in shock i would let him sit there but for some reason i listened to him i picked him up i put him in the forest next door to my house and and then i just felt i was so upset by it i can imagine you know this guy is like couple years old you know It's just sad so i went back outside about an hour and a half later to check on him where i put him and he was still laying there and i took a stick and i i pushed him and he jumped (laughs) and And for days (laughs) for days i've been upset it's like in my sure. subconscious, it really affected me, like bothered me that I, I, I may have hurt him and that he could be suffering. And today I saw him sitting on the ledge where he always sits and looks in my window doing the, you know, the, right, the right, thing. right, right. And I was like, wow, he found his way back home and he's mm. okay. Just those little things are, are, um, you know, part of my stresses, and that's not many stresses. You know, when you talk about the illness stuff, it's it's so easy to forget when you are, like you said, doing contrary action, getting on the bicycle, going to thrift shops with your mother because you love trying to find antique purses, or um, just oh, don't even get me started anything.
1: on thrift shops.
0: Ooh, That's one you have of my. To come to Florida, you would have a blast.
1: There's one place just around the corner from where I currently live. I'm in the process of moving to another uh, township about a hundred miles from here. Uh, it's got the very succinct name of Uncle Tim's Cabin. It's a. It was originally a house that was converted into a business, and they sell thrift gifts. Now we're talking antiques. We're talking antique books. Now. My one Achilles heel is vinyl. And there you can get vinyl for as little as a buck a pop. Reconditioned vinyl. Daniela, my mother, mustn't take me there. No, 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 no. no. I'll blow my entire month's salary on vinyl. Because I can understand why. That um, nostalgia, number one. Now, sure, you and I are completely, two completely different generations, but that said as well the quality with regards to a piece of china or a, uh, a cup and a saucer you're going to love this when I uh, got sober I began working my amends now I'm the kind of person that I know if I've done you wrong I will go out of my way to apologize with an act of kindness you you get the picture mm-hmm. and one day yeah. I uh, w- I was in between jobs and I Made a secret little trip. It was my mother's birthday coming up. And I made a trip to Uncle Tim's cabin. In conjunction with the story, my parents had gotten divorced in the meantime. It was very acrimonious. And uh, my father had destroyed one of my mother's prized possessions. You'll know it as well as I. The Willow Patent plates. Does that ring a bell?
0: And that had a my very, convinced. very...
1: My mother had a very uh, close relationship with that willow pattern plate because, like me, she's fond of strawberries. And those willow pattern plates are not exactly uh, uh, common to find. So I entered this store, this thrift shop, and I spoke with the antique dealer. He buys antiques at a certain price, refurbishes them, uh, restores them to grace, and then he sells them for a profit. And I asked him, do you have the willow pattern plate in store? He scurries about the store. He checks the price lists, everything. And he comes back to me and says, you know what, I not only have a willow pattern plate for you, I've got a willow pattern tea set for you. A set, a complete set of willow pattern teacups, saucers, and cutlery. And that was my gift that I gave my mother as a sign of my amends for having put her through 10 years of torrid, Horrid abuse on my end, emotional abuse, and my mother said to me, "How the hell did you find this?" I said, mm-hmm. Mom, just, just accept, please accept it as a gift and as a token of my apology, and I want to make things right." As a symbol of my new character, now it sounds materialistic on the outset, surely, but that 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 that, that um, action, that 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 um, undertaking, is what means the most. Showing my affection and showing my repentance by giving her this willow patent set, which is something that she lost, gave her some solace. And that's the kind of action, actions that I try to implement to get that kind of response, which I look for. Showing repentance, showing um, atonement for one's deeds. It's It's good enough to say that you're sorry, and I know I'm rambling, but <clears throat> showing that behavior, is what I think makes leaves the biggest impact.
0: Yeah, you can talk about it all day, but if you don't change your behavior, that's the best apology. Is change behavior. You were talking the other quote. day about the fourth step. <laughs> Are you working on a fourth step?
1: I did. I did work on a on a on a fourth step, and that was one of the most uh, interesting procedures, because, you know, when you do the fourth step and you draw up the column and you write down a list of all the people who have harmed you and who you think have harmed you, keyword, and you realize, oh my gosh, this is actually, I never thought about how I treated someone else. How were their interactions with me? I'm the one that's supposed to be uh, sorry for what I did. Not the not <laughs> first, I think that's a very difficult step to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Damn it, you did this to me. <laughs> I'm going to make a list.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. And boy, oh, boy, did I have a lot of uh, resentments. But, um, you know, there's a, it's a hot potato, the, the concept of forgiveness. There are some that say, let go and let live. Others say you don't necessarily need to let go of I say age to his own. But uh, the decision for me when I did my fourth step last year was the fact of the freedom that I felt when I undertook that undertaking. It's not a fact of do I expect life to be uh, uh, rainbows and unicorns with the person who I have to forgive. Not at all. That person is out of your life for good. But it's your interpretation of the events that happened that changed and your way of looking forward that has changed. Does it leave you a grumpy old fart or do you actually feel ten? It's true. You know, I've worked with people who are my age on their, on their steps and they are really old men and old grannies the way that they think and speak. Right. Gosh, I really think to, my, I think to myself, my golly, you should be on pension. We should put you in an old age home because that's how decrepit your thinking is.
0: Well, gosh, can you imagine? You've got those people, and then you have the people that don't have the—you know—the four-step at all. Those, they're really screwed.
1: <laughs> you know, run for the hills with your tails between your legs. That is World War Three that you're talking about. Oi. yes. Cheers. There you I'm know. not. <laughs> oh boy. The fun thing I'm finding, and like, please, you can contradict me, if, because I mean, well, we all have different uh, ways of thinking, but I feel oh, that no. after I did my fourth step, I can laugh at those experiences, certain experiences, of course. I mean, I spoke about earlier on getting pissed on stage. I can tell you, <sighs> the very first radio show I did, <laughs> when I just moved out of the house for a time and I was living by myself, I went and I got knackered at the bar afterwards knowing that I had to be on the air the next morning came in with a very god awful hangover and I was so nervous being on the air doing morning time drive that Mm. my stomach got upset and I got a bad case of the trots
0: (laughs) I don't want to know
1: an upset stomach (laughs) hey that's an american it's an americanism it's it's not a it's not a french uh expression it's an americanism the trots i've never heard it well now you have it
0: sounds very very slippery <laughs> it can be <laughs> oh. <coughs> oh. oh,
1: oh boy, you see point proven you can. I can laugh at those experiences now instead of cringing into a little ball and mm-hmm. thinking to myself, oh my golly, will, tw- will the earth just swallow me in? But there are still other experiences, even though I've done my fourth step, which I can still look at with a sense of my golly. I can't believe I acted like that. But then I, uh, um, I take solace in the fact that it's not me anymore. And that there's a life lesson attached to that which obviously means don't do it again but an extra dimension to that why what how how can i prevent it going forward you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying
0: yeah yeah you know it's it's great because like for me i look and i go i don't have to do those Ten steps, they call them. It's like a mini four step where we take a look at our day and we mm. hurt anybody? Were we dishonest? Were we jealous? Were we resentful? Um, lust, you know, how was our day? We kind of and we write it down for quite a while and then we have it in our minds when we go to bed. We think, what did we do? Uh, do we owe anybody an amends? And what could we do better? Next time, and then we ask God to remove right, him. Mm. And it's nice to not have to even think about that. I don't really piss that man sure. off these It's awesome. You well, know, how could you? You're a beautiful thing. woman. One thing off my list, you know, even in sobriety, I can remember so many times where I was so, so irritated inside because of something at work and. It just would fester and, you know, because the tools weren't, they were fresh, they were new and I was learning on how to become, you know, more self-sufficient mentally and become a more humble person, I guess you could say. And
1: I can understand.
0: So, it's so nice these days, the simple life. It, it is just so wonderful because there's a natural Boundary that I can just set with people mm. that I don't that I would never be able to do. I was a yes person, and I was highly ah. overcommitted. And you know, so I thought I'd run to Florida and get at No, <laughs> but it, it's it's nice. I love being free and sobriety. Sure. sure, it's freedom. It is total and utter freedom if you do the work. There are plenty of people Absolutely. that get sober and they have this and they don't know what to do with this and whether it's AA your friend J hypercovery, recovery there's yeah, yeah, so yeah. much out there like you can't do this alone it can't be done alone no. because you know why never. because the self and the self can never reveal self to self it just not with an alcoholic mind we cannot reveal stuff to ourselves we need someone else to see it and point it out we need someone else to give us advice on on you know when we're new we don't know we are very fresh and raw and we haven't lived a a normal not normal a we've lived i'll just say a mediocre life and that doesn't well put us a lot to brag about when it comes to emotion (laughs) and so it's incredible when you grab somebody and, and when you work with somebody. I'll tell you, it's so sad. Today, one of the things that really upset me is I would sponsor a girl. She became my sister. I mean my sister. And we look alike. She, she drove us to Florida. She was like family. Seven right. years, eight years. Family. I sponsored her for eight years. Today, I found out that she is addicted to fentanyl and that her baby was born addicted to fentanyl. And it's just so sad because I've tried. I never knew she was into drugs. She only drank. She she relapsed when I left. um, And I helped her through that. We got her into a place. We got all these people to come and help her. And then it just kept happening. And then it just kind of. There's only so much you can do for a person in, you know, I'm in of a different course. state. And then the, now this, it's this. And I'm just going, oh, my God, she's going to be buried one day. You can't take fentanyl. You'll die. No. And so it's it's of sad course. because I know that if, if she doesn't get help, she's going to die. And that fucking sucks. You
1: know? Well, it does suck. Ugh. It does suck in so in so many exists. levels. And I remind myself of that lesson every given day. You know, that there are people out there who are consistently struggling, and our lives should be a testament, testament on the tongue twister for them. And that's why, and I'm going to say something that might be stepping on toes, and that's why the infighting in the recovery community has to stop. If your way of thinking is different from my way of thinking, that should be celebrated because that's what is our unique trademark concept yeah. of saving lives is exactly that. Saving lives. For some people, it is, like with you and I, abstinence. With other people, it's through maybe a method of harm reduction or maybe through an inpatient, outpatient program. The menu is varied to the hilt. Let's put mm-hmm. our heads together and let's talk and let's get methods going on achieving the common goal of saving a life, right? And I must say, I've in the past, there have been some views with regards to how one should recover on both ends of the spectrum that have made my hair collectively stand on end. And the lesson that I've learned through that is, there's no one-size-fits-all, but that damage is equally the same. If a life is gone, that life cannot be returned. Let's bandy together. That's it. And let's talk. But if there should be a case of uh, disagreements, let's agree to disagree for God's sake. We still are uh, a democratic society. And we're fortunate to be in a democratic society. But if someone says something that you may not agree with, shut up and pray for that person if you feel the need to. (laughs) <laughs> but don't start an unnecessary catfight because that draws away from the common goal. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if you are going to be uh, obnoxious and silly, and you are going to get a hiding, take your hiding like a like a, a like a man or a woman that you are, and don't go running around on social media with, like acting like a dog with a hurt or and become a keyboard warrior. That needs to be said.
0: You know, when I started AA, yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. When I started AA, I had a very one-track mind. And they put it in my head that that was the only way. And for me, it was. I'll be honest. I was a person that needed the steps. I needed that. That was the only thing that worked for me because I had been through rehab. I had done all these things. And when mm-hmm. I found that love and that those steps, and when I was able to give that back to people it it was just my tribe. It just was. But as time went on, I started becoming way more open minded at going, "Wow, look at these! This is ten years ago, but mm-hmm. there's so many ways, and a lot of people it's all it takes is going into one meeting with one person that might set them off and and make them feel like they you know they just they don't like it or they think it's a plan or whatever all the things that all of us think about when we come in Mm -hmm. Uh, god always directs us where we need to be if we ask for direction we will get it seek and you will find amen i say one of the big things is spirituality Uh Mm -hmm.
1: uh-huh absolutely I attended N.A. here in South Africa for about six months or so. This is when the hard pandemic, or the hard lockdown, forgive me, was still at at the the state of play. And uh, like with what you and I are doing, meetings online were virtual. But what really put me off about the whole thing is South Africa, sadly, has got this culture of, if you're an addict, you have to attend an inpatient, outpatient program, that's it. Otherwise, there's no other way to recover. And that's, unfortunately, a very institutionalized way of thinking. And I'll verify that because when I just was celebrating my second sober birthday, we were in a meeting, and uh, it was about at the draw, uh, at the close, and I mentioned that it was my two-year birthday, and the question got presented to me, do you regret not attending rehab? And I... Just without a second notice, just shook my head and said no. Oh my stars! Everyone looked at me with daggers in the eyes, fire and brimstone. <laughs> How can you say that you didn't uh, that you that you are in recovery, but you didn't attend an inpatient outpatient program? I almost wanted to say, listen, you, fuckwits, you're in the same position as I was. You also made equal amount of mistakes. Mistakes of what I had done, what gives you the right to judge me. We're here to support one another at the end of the day. And I stopped going to that NA meeting, and ultimately I found the recovery that I needed right here, right now, courtesy of the U.S. and courtesy of Canada, speaking to people like you and that. And everything that you have shared with me and our uh, friendship, you've given me to, uh, tools that I put in my toolbox, which I use every given day. So, as you quite mm-hmm. rightly say, God directs all our paths. But again, man, damn it, the narrow-mindedness is astounding. Gee whiz. Mm-hmm. It's, Fucking tragedy it's, in our hearts.
0: It's, it's smoke and mirrors is what it is, and uh, it's always going to be better. And it's I'm sad
1: to say well. I have to agree. Yeah. I'm sad to say I have to agree. But one can truly hope for the for the contrary. Folks, as we draw to a close, we would like to offer an apology for our guests not arriving. You know, things like that does happen from time to time. But we'd like to thank you for sticking with us and hearing us, uh, not rambling, that's a negative word, I rebuke you, but hearing us continually sharing about our collective experiences in recovery. And I hope that if you are in recovery yourself, or if you are so curious for that fact, something has rubbed off on you, bar none and we extend an open-door invitation to you, please, come onto the show, listen to our stories, listen to our guests' stories, have fun with us, because this ultimately, doing it sober, equals a second chance. And that is the second chance that you owe yourself, and that's what you've been granted by on high. And we ask you, especially where times are tough, and we are still recovering from the after effects of a pandemic, please don't hesitate. This is a free medium. Avail yourself. I'm here. Danny is here. Equally important. Go on doing it sober live. See what Danny has to offer. We want to help at the end of the day. This is not a platform for us to get rich or famous, or both. We just want to help. And this is our way of giving back from what we've got from the help that's been extended to us in our time of need. God willing, we'll be back again on Tuesday. Danny, thank you so much for your patience. I love you to pieces, my darling. You're the most beautiful woman. You are Aphrodite reincarnated, my dear. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Chris. God bless, guys. Bye-bye now.